Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History puddle. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank, back after we wrap up week three and get you set for week four. Never too early to start looking at those openers for week four. And we're going to. Start doing something on a weekly basis here on Full Slate as uh, our good friends at WinBet, who are, uh, as you hear every pod as we get started, we have uh, an ad from Win every podcast, and uh, they hooked us up with their guy, Digital Content, and Brand Ambassador Joe Fan at Joe underscore Fan with two N's on Twitter. Joe, thanks a lot for joining us, and uh, how are you doing? How was your week three? Uh, I'm doing great, man. It's uh, It's been a wild start to this season. Um you know, I've, I've taken a couple of L's so far, but uh, you know what? It's, it makes it fun because I feel like yeah, right now it's just pure chaos. I, I, during my Monday Night Football, I always put together my weekly power rankings that come out on Tuesday morning, and it just sort of feels like you're throwing darts uh, yeah. because you could you could make a case for so many different uh, lists, and uh, that's the fun of it. We're three weeks in, and, and everybody um, but two teams has a loss. Yeah, and, you know, to that end, I'm curious, like, give us a little sneak peek here in terms of what you're seeing through three weeks, who you're liking, who's maybe a little under the radar, who's maybe a little fraudulent, anything really stand out in either direction? Yeah, I I think if, you know, Dolphins fans see my power rankings, they'll probably be annoyed to see them still (laughs) behind the Bills, even though they just beat them head to head. I just, you know, it was so different than when you saw the Bills – 
beat the Rams in week one, and it was dominant, and it was right. unquestionable uh, who the better team was, where it feels like everything sort of had to go right for Miami. They oh, they dominated. Buffalo dominated. Yeah, I mean, 497 yards to 212, 31 first downs to 15. I'm not taking the win away from Miami. It's a great win. They're number three on my power rankings, but I still have the Bills at number two behind the Eagles at number one, uh, who have been the most impressive team in football to me. That offense is every bit uh, as prolific as we thought it might be with A.J. Brown coming over from the Titans uh, in that trade during the draft. And Jalen Hurts looks like a bona fide star at this point where um, every single week, has been a bad week for his haters out of the gate. So uh, they, that way they are an easy choice now that the Bills have a loss to, to be the number one spot uh, in the power rankings. Well, I'm not sure if you could tell by the phone number I was texting you from to get you on, but I grew up in southern New Jersey. That was a South Jersey area code, 10 miles across the bridge from Philly. So I love hearing that. I was a Jalen Hurts guy in the offseason, wanted him to get a shot. So anytime you want to say anything good about the Eagles, I'm not going to stop you. There's a lot of good things to say. You know, I think the one frustration you might have had through two weeks was that Hassan Reddick hadn't done a whole lot. And sure. he comes back with a sack and a half in uh, in week three. So, yeah, man, it, it's really, really good time to be an Eagles fan. That team is a whole lot of fun. And when you have one of the best home field advantages in all of football, uh, the link is going to be rocking all season long. And all of a sudden in week four, you look at the Jags coming to town as that's one of the marquee games of the slate. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that'll definitely be interesting. And real quick, before we get to the openers for week four, I do want to ask you about, you know, speaking of the Eagles elsewhere in the NFC East, the game we just saw conclude. The Cowboys now go to 2-0 in 2022 under Cooper Rush, and he's proven to be a guy that can hold it down for them and somebody that, you know, dating back to that start in primetime last year in Minneapolis against the Vikings, continues to just prove that, as I said, he can hold it down and do the job in the absence of Dak Prescott, the Cowboys get the win coming from behind there to do it. And the Giants, I mean, listen, I, I don't know how you felt about them after two games. I, I thought that it was you know, good for them for pulling out a couple close games. Uh, I, I still had my concerns and, and questions about if they were a, a threat season long to perhaps sneak into the playoffs and, uh, you know, for them to let that slip away wasn't a huge surprise for me. I, I think the Cowboys quite honestly, are just a better team and their defense is playing really well and, and Rush is kind of playing mistake-free football. So how did you see that Monday night game play out? You know, I sort of feel bad for Daniel Jones. Um, you know, yeah. I think he kept the team alive with his legs, nine carries, 79 yards, and Saquon Barkley all the way back. Certainly that defense has pieces that you feel really good about. But, you know, Kadarius Tony, is he ever going to be a consistent contributor for this team? Can't stay healthy. Sort of a head case. Kenny Galladay is stealing money from that organization on a week-to-week <laughs> basis. Uh, there's just no reason Sterling Shepard should be getting 10 targets a game uh, in 2022 coming off the injury that he was coming off oh, of. Now and now, unfortunately, down. that last play of the game, uh, just brutal to see him go down with another non-contact knee injury. Feels so bad for that guy. I just don't think... You know, the offensive line can't block block a competent uh, front seven. Uh, we saw that again. Even though the Cowboys have one of the best pass rushes in all of football, it wasn't good from New York. Daniel Jones running for his life. I credit Daniel Jones for what he did in this game, to be honest with you. He made some big-time throws, and there were a lot of drops from his receivers. And then with Cooper Rush, yeah, I mean, all you want out of a backup is to not lose you games. Manage the game. Hit the open man. Don't take egregious sacks. And take care of the football. And he has done that in all three of his starts. He's 3-0 as a starter with one last year coming against the Vikings. 
Um, and his production could have been bigger. There were some big-time drops from his receivers tonight. Sure. You know, if you look at C.D. Lamb, most notably, who atoned for the big drop in the first half with that dominant drive, uh, including the one-handed uh, touchdown late in that game. But, um, yeah, I think Cooper Rush has, has really been uh, everything, the Cow- more than the Cowboys could have hoped for um, thus far. All right, let's get into some of these week four games of intrigue and the opening lines over at WinBet. Thursday night football is one that I think will certainly have a lot of eyeballs on it, given, as you said, the Miami Dolphins are the lone unbeaten in the AFC, traveling to Southwest Ohio to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. And the Bengals, I'm happy I got this at minus three because they're out to three and a half at WinBet, a total of 47 and a half. And I guess a little bit of early money on Cincinnati stemming from Maybe some of the two attack of Iloa injury concerns on a short week. And Cincinnati obviously looked more like the reigning AFC champs, albeit against the Jets. But the Bengals got a much needed win on Sunday. Yeah, it's an important caveat. And the Bengals should be 3-0, and losing to the Cowboys. I don't care how, how well Cooper Rush is playing. That was a travesty of a game. And again, when you want to talk about trying to block anybody, um, <laughs> you know, the Bengals have had an issue with that. Going back to last year, they somehow made the Super Bowl despite not being able to pass protect in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and so far, uh, the early returns on their offseason investments on that offensive line have not been good. Um, I think it makes sense. Anytime you have a short week, uh, you always favor the home team, especially in a game that otherwise would be close. Uh, you know, you have three and a half. If this game was in Miami, it, it probably is three points uh, to the Dolphin side. So it should be a really good game. Mike McDaniel, I think they're already ready to, uh, to build a statue in South Beach <laughs> for him. He's just brought such a level of, of competency and creativity to that offense, uh, maximizing Tua's strengths, uh, hiding the weaknesses. The big mistakes haven't been there from Tua. And then, you know, maximizing the speed he's got at his disposal with Raheem Mostert, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, and Chase Edmonds. Um, they've been a ton of fun so far. So um, three and a half, the, the movement makes sense to me, but um, I don't know if I'm ready to just buy in on the, the Bengals being back just because they had a, an easy win against the Jets. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I still think there's there's a whole lot more I'd like to see from them. Um, and I think Miami, especially defensively, um, they've been they've been finding ways to keep teams out of the end zone despite giving up a bunch of yards. Um, I, I think this is going to be a great game uh, and one I really can't wait for. It's really the second time in four weeks we've gotten a marquee game on a Thursday. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about that. I want to ask you next about the London game. First London game of the year sees the Minnesota Vikings taking on the New Orleans Saints. Uh, and this, I believe, opened at three and has been bet down a tad to uh, off the key for New Orleans at now plus two and a half as the dog on the neutral field total at Winbet sitting at 44 in this one. And I think this is interesting because you have a couple of first-time head, well, first-time head coaches with their respective teams. Of course, Dennis Allen uh, had that cup of coffee with the Raiders that didn't go so well. But uh, anytime you have new coaches making the London trip, I always think that's kind of uh, another layer here in terms of uh, the logistics of the trip. Minnesota grinds one out, no cover against the Detroit Lions in Week Three. Uh, what do you make of of these two teams? Obviously, New Orleans, particularly on offense, is reeling. I think both teams have major question marks on offense. And I think uh, Minnesota winning that game, putting up 28 points uh, feels like a bit of deception because I think when you watch that game, Kirk Cousins rarely looks comfortable. Again, talk about an offensive line that has struggled to protect. 
the Vikings are in that category. They got embarrassed on Monday night in week two against Philly and um, really lucky to win this game against Detroit, where, in my opinion, watching that game, they got outplayed uh, for damn near the entire four quarters. So uh, the issue with New Orleans is that Jameis Winston has turned back the clock to 30 interception 2019 version of himself in Tampa Bay. He's already got five picks on the season. So, you know, a lot of empty calories uh, with the passing yards that he's racking up. And um, it's been bad. You know, I think you look at week two against the Bucks when their defense pitches a shutout in the first half and all of a sudden they're, they, they're down by two scores in the second right. half because he keeps giving the ball away. Uh, major issues there. Alvin Kamara, Kamara hasn't been getting going. Um, he's been really quiet dealing with the rib injury. You, know, you love what you see so far from Chris Olave and Mike Thomas has been mostly productive, but um, I think these are just two quarterbacks that I don't feel comfortable comfortable betting on either of them uh, going into this game. I think if anything, I would lean under 44 uh, in London because I feel like fans at Wembley Stadium, I don't know where this game is. It might be Wembley. It might be the new uh, Spurs Stadium. But right. regardless, I feel like they're normally uh, treated to poor football games. And so I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised if this one's ugly as well. Well, speaking of ugly, I, I kind of want to get your thoughts on this game. Not that it's one of the marquee ones by any stretch, but uh, given what we saw from the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars, certainly cause for concern already for the Chargers. Usually it's late in the season when things go awry for the Bolts, but here they're now one and two, and the injuries have piled up already for the Chargers with Justin Herbert playing through the rib problems, and now we're Sean Slater. We get the news of their all-pro left tackle, going to miss the rest of 2022 Joey Bosa is week to week so it certainly doesn't look like we'll see him it's a steep price to lay with an injured team uh in the Chargers going to Houston uh five and a half points this has been bet down I believe there were a lot of sixes and six and a halves out there five and a half right now at win bet a total of 45 and while it is a steep price, I mean, the Texans look like they may be the worst team in the National Football League, or at least one of them, having just lost to Chicago. So what do you make of the Chargers' struggles, and, and particularly this number at five and a half? I mean, I'm I'm going to just every year go down with the ship on the Chargers. I believe in them every <laughs> year, and I know the second I stop betting them, uh, they will figure it out. But this is a cursed franchise. I don't know any other way to put it. And it's amazing how quickly the shine has worn off the star of Brandon Staley, where he was once just a short time ago, the NFL's boy wonder, uh, not so much anymore. Um, the Herbert injury is concerning. They lost to Houston last year. Um, but yeah, you lose Joey Bosa for several weeks, Rashawn Slater for the year. Keenan Allen has been out. Mike Williams for two of the three weeks of the season has just been doing cardio. Um, hasn't been productive at all. Yeah, I think I look at plus five and a half as potentially a number I want to take with Houston or I just stay away from the game altogether. But I don't know yeah. how you can lay five and a half on the road with with L.A. and feel confident about it at all. They got embarrassed by the Jags. And I, I do think the Jags are legit. I think they have a very good chance of being a playoff team or remaining in the playoff picture. Uh, certainly in the AFC South is such a bad division. They can they could potentially win that unless the Colts really figure things out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Chargers – uh, I'm just not laying that five and a half period, I guess is a long winded way of saying that. I think there's just too many issues there. And even the, the, you know, the game they won in week one and then in week two, the air yards aren't there. Everything's a check down. Everything's short and intermediate. They're not pushing the ball downfield. When you have a golden armed quarterback like Justin Herbert, it just makes you wonder what the game plan is, or if maybe he's just not seeing what's there for him. 
Um, you know, but regardless, something's going wrong. It's amazing what can happen over the course of six quarters of football because at halftime against the Chiefs, they dominated that first half. And I'm sitting there saying, I knew it. This is the year for the Chargers. Here they go. <laughs> um, and then a 99-yard pick six and a Justin Herbert yeah. injury later and then four ugly quarters against the Jaguars. Now, all of a sudden, we're wondering if their season is over. So uh, it's pretty grim. They desperately need it. They might get it. They probably will. But I don't <laughs> think I'm banking uh, on them beating the Texans or covering five and a half points uh, against the Texans on the road. Couple more early games before we touch on some of the late games here as we're joined by Joe Fan from WinBet here on Full Slate. Joe, probably the marquee game of the week in the National Football League sees the Buffalo Bills make the trip to Charm City to take on the Baltimore Ravens. Buffalo laying three and the hook at WinBet right now. Total appears to have been bet down. Uh, from I believe there were a lot of 54, 54 and a halves out there. Win bet right now laying 52 on this total. And I mean, I think it's easy for me to look at this and say, oh, let me grab that hook and take the home dog with the Baltimore Ravens. However, given everything we just talked about with the Buffalo Bills and how that game ended in South Beach and Ken Dorsey wanting to curse everybody off there in the press box, uh Something tells me the Bills might be out for blood here and, and ready to make a statement. But again, Baltimore certainly with a nice response after the blow, uh, you know, choking the game away against Miami in week two, going up to Foxborough and, and beating the Pats. So what do you make of this clash between two AFC elites? Yeah, nothing happened. And I think I already sort of mentioned this. Nothing happened in Miami that is any cause for real concern for Buffalo, in my opinion. The injuries are right. concerning, but Micah Hyde didn't play in the game to begin with. So in terms of just what actually transpired uh, on the field in Miami, uh, fluky game kind of, and, and they largely just lost the game they should have won against a very good team. Um, I agree with you. I would lean Bills here or maybe, you know, maybe buy a half point to get it to three and just avoid yourself the painful beat on a last second field goal uh, where they win by three. But um, I do think they're the better team. The Ravens have already dropped one at home against Miami. Uh, this is Baltimore's chance for their first signature win of the season. Being the Jets and the Patriots isn't impressing me. I'm a, I'm a fader of, of the Patriots. Even going into the season, I wasn't buying them. I think they overachieved egregiously uh, a year ago. And we saw that in the playoffs when they got the break speed off them by the Bills. Um, I hope this is going to be a really good game. This is, I, I think, in my opinion, the best game on the Sunday slate, along with the Jags and Eagles, uh, and then maybe... Um, the Bucks and the Chiefs in the, in the Sunday night game is probably uh, the number one spot there. But, um, you know, I would definitely lean Bills here. I think, like you mentioned, you, it's hard to get go down narratives you can't back up statistically of, oh, they're going to come in motivated and they're out for right. blood. I think there is something to that when good teams lose in, in poor fashion, um, there's just an extra layer of refocusing um, and foot on the gas mentality. And I, I would lean taking them. Um, I want to see if this this total dips anymore and then maybe consider uh, taking the over there because we've seen the explosives from the Ravens passing game. I think Lamar Jackson leads the league in passing yards. Uh, Rashad Bateman, a guy who can take the top off a of defense. Um, and then I think the Bills, just the tempo they run with. It's all pass, very little run. Um, and so I think there are going to be enough possessions there to to get to the over. Uh, so if it continues to dip at all, I might I might look at taking that. 
All right, last game in the early window that I wanted to touch on is that Jags-Eagles game that we've already kind of alluded to over the course of the pod thus far. Uh, it looks like uh, the number has been bet off the key of seven, and we're seeing the Jags catching six in the hook at Lincoln Financial Field, total of 48. You mentioned narratives, and not that this necessarily factors into your handicap, but Doug Peterson heading back to Philadelphia, uh, where I'm sure he will be uh, pleasantly received after winning a Super Bowl with the Eagles. I, I do think, Joe, this is a, a tricky spot for the Jags, coming back from a cross-country trip against the Chargers, now having to go on the road again, as you mentioned, to one of the tougher home fields in Philadelphia with the way the Eagles have been playing. Certainly a test for these young Jaguars, given that how good they look right now. I think this is another order of business at the moment. Yeah, I agree with you. It is amazing, both offensively and defensively. They rank in the top 10 in both uh, points scored and points allowed and then yards for and yards allowed, um, which is incredible. And they're number one in rushing defense. They have been a really complete team. And it's amazing. The bar was set so low for Doug Peterson by Urban Meyer that it <laughs> wouldn't have taken much for Jaguars fans to feel like it was a success. But it's amazing. I use the word competency uh, with Miami and Mike McDaniel, but certainly it applies here where that was um, impossible to find a year ago under Urban Meyer. And now you add a head coach who knows what he's doing and you've seen this, the steps forward from Trevor Lawrence. You've seen a defense that has been really solid uh, both against the pass and the run. I just think for me at home, the Eagles defense or Eagles offense is too potent and Um, They can beat you in so many ways. And we've seen this Eagles team be such an efficient running offense. Well, it was the passing game they couldn't stop Uh, in in week three uh, when they're playing the commanders. And Jalen Hurts threw it all over with Devontae Smith balling out, A.J. Brown balling out. But okay, you take one of those guys away and then then Jalen Hurts burns you with his legs. Then Miles Sanders and Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell start ripping off five, six yards a carry. It's just such a diverse and complete offense that. I just don't know if you can shut them down for four quarters or keep pace offensively with them for four quarters. Six and a half is a big number, but them being at home, I feel pretty comfortable. Um, You know, now, do you trust them enough to take them with your survivor pick? Because it's sort of a tricky week. And when I went through the survivor slate to kind of build your ideal route, the Eagles in week three were a no brainer. Um, Well, not anymore, because the Jaguars uh, will certainly make you sweat at least for a half, probably three quarters. Uh, And if they're covering, they might be covering late uh, talking about the Eagles and uh, you might have to look elsewhere for your survivor pick. But uh, yeah, this is a game I can't wait for, because uh, if Doug Peterson is able to get the job done here uh, and the the Jaguars improve to three and one, you're going to be talking about them as, uh, you know, probably a a team that that really is uh, the favorites in the AFC South. Oh, yeah, no, I I totally agree, and it's crazy how quickly that narrative could change in just a month. You mentioned big numbers. You know, I'm not asking you to necessarily elaborate a ton on this game because it certainly looks ugly to the naked eye, but I'm just kind of curious, and and maybe we can kind of go to the other side of the counter here and talk about how odds makers are going to price the Patriots with this Mac Jones injury right now, obviously with – uh, New England having to go to Lambeau Field in week four. It's a hefty point spread. The Packers are an 11-point favorite, but it's also worth noting this total is just 40 at Wimbet right now. Just what do you think the downgrade from Mac Jones to Brian Hoyer will do to the point spreads and the totals involving New England games? You know what? I don't think it, it will matter as much as maybe you would think. 
Um, and that's not to say I'm a I'm a doubter of Mac Jones. I again I just think they overachieved last year. And Brian Hoyer's yeah. been in the league long enough to where he can manage a game and uh, you know sort of keep them around if they're able to get stops. Now doing that in Green Bay, probably not. Um, but I think even if Mac Jones was was the quarterback here, you'd you'd say it's eight or nine probably. Um, you know, I think the Packers at home the okay. defense is one of the best in football. The Patriots, to me, have just been uh, really underwhelming through three weeks and their one win, uh, an ugly win against Pittsburgh. Um, they haven't shown me anything. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. It's worth a couple of points, sure. But but I don't know. I would be very curious to know what this line would be without it. I don't think I think it would definitely still be more than the touchdown um, and maybe really hovering around that eight and a half, nine. OK. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and I also be... could be wrong. I'm a moron. I don't know anything <laughs> about anything. So, like, I, this is just an untrained uh, opinion. Certainly not an expert view or a bookmaker's view. But, um, you know, I'll talk to some of our traders because I'd be curious to know. Yeah, because what that I, line I would feel be like sometimes we see overreactions. Sometimes when we see backup quarterbacks come in to the point where it almost becomes, you know, plug your nose and you know take all those points or just pass the game. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think uh, we see that all the time. And I think well, last year it's not it's not just quarterbacks. I remember in Arizona, uh, Devontae Adams was out, and you know the line yeah. moved to where night game. Uh, it swung in, in huge favor of the Cardinals, and then the Packers end up winning that game outright. Right. So right. Um, I agree with you. Sometimes it can move too much, and I might not lay the eleven because if it's eleven, you know that's for in the for the most part um, the back door is open from the start of the game all the way till the end of the game. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, a teaser leg to get it to four through 10 and seven sure. potentially, or you just build your juicy money line favorite parlay as your right. free square. Um, regardless, I think that the Packers should roll in this one comfortably. Okay. One other late afternoon game that I wanted to quickly touch on uh, features a couple of AFC West teams. And obviously it's funny how the AFC West was, Build as this otherworldly division, and we talked about the Chargers' concerns uh, at through three games. The Chiefs lose in Week Three, and we see the Raiders at 0 and 3, albeit a trio of close games for the Raiders, but all three go against the Silver and Black. And then here are the Broncos, the team that everybody, I think, rightfully so, has been clowning, and yet they are still a very ugly two and one going to Sin City. Raiders are a two-point favorite. And I'll be honest, Joe, I kind of think this is a good spot for the Raiders to get their first win of the year, just because while the Raiders haven't won a game yet, their offense has at least been able to move the ball and get more points on the board. And I'm going to trust that offense right now than, you know, Nathaniel Hackett and whatever he is as a head coach, which doesn't look any like anything good. And let's just call it how it is. Russell Wilson has been bad. He hasn't been good. The Broncos, I mean, it, one drive is all they needed from Russell Wilson to, to beat the, the Niners. What was it 11-10 was the final? Something bizarre. Yeah. Um, I, this one's hard for me because I was a believer in the Raiders going into the season, and I bet them the last two weeks, and they've and they've cost me dearly. The choke job against the Cardinals was so hard to stomach, and then mm. um, they just played a horrific game. And the, the defense remains a huge issue. I just feel like this is the same Raiders team we've been watching Max Crosby has a couple of sacks, but Chandler Jones still doesn't have one. Um, the secondary is remains in shambles. Um, if you're getting torched by the Titans offense, um, you're having a tough, a tough go of it. And 
I don't know. I, I, th- I agree with you that this should be a good spot for the Raiders. I think it ultimately will be a stay away spot for me because I, I don't know if mm-hmm. I can yeah, I can stomach losing money three weeks in a row, <laughs> banking on Derek Carr to figure it out. But I agree. I think they're the better team. Uh, yeah. And they're at home. And nothing you've seen from the Broncos offensively should you lead you to believe that they are uh, capable of, of scoring points al- alongside any offense. Um, but I just – I know this is going to be, this, this got, you know, this game's got like the, you know, the, the Raiders are up seven in the third quarter with the ball and Derek Carr throws like an inexplicable. So, pick yeah. Six. And that's your turning point of the game. Yeah. That's a good point. All so, right. Uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. But I, I think I, I would agree with you. I tend to agree with you that it's a good spot for the Raiders. All right. Let's just get on these primetime games before we get you out of here. Uh, Super Bowl rematch from a couple of years ago, the Chiefs and the Bucks. Uh, the Chiefs are a two and a half point favorite total of 45 at Wimbet, but it's also worth noting, monitor this all week long with the hurricane coming through Florida. There's a possibility of this game getting moved. Jeff Darlington of ESPN reported that uh, U.S. Bank Stadium in Minnesota is a possibility as the Vikings, as we alluded to earlier here, are heading to London. Uh, so I guess first off, what would that do to the point spread? And then secondly, at the numbers we're looking at right now, I know it's kind of Joe public, but seeing the Chiefs coming off of that loss against the Colts and knowing that I still count on that offense to score a lot more. I know Tampa had, didn't have Mike Evans and they haven't had Chris Godwin all year long, but I just have my doubts about where Tampa's at offensively right now. I think it's a good look for the Chiefs, but again, you know, let's see where this game plays and kind of what happens with the NFL during the week, right? Yeah, well, they don't call me Joe public or Joe square for no reason. Uh, I think <laughs> I would rather trust Patrick Mahomes. You know, I think for me, there's just different teams that if I if I lose, you know, all right, fine. I, I lost betting on Patrick Mahomes. But the Bucks offense has been bad. And I know they've been missing guys, but even if, you know, Chris Godwin or Julio were to play, we know Mike Evans will play coming off the suspension, but you get some other of those guys back, there's no guarantee they make it through the game. This is going to be an issue that the the Bucks deal with all season long and Heck, it's been the, the, the issue for the Julio Jones for like the last four or five years of his career. So um, I would lean Chiefs here. I would love to not have to go above four. But if they go to a neutral site, you might have to pay that. Yeah. Uh, and the Bucks defense is good enough to where, you know, they'll be able to hang around. They can get a big takeaway. But uh, right now, I think there, there are enough issues in Tampa Bay offensively to warrant some concern. And that's not to say they won't figure it out or can't figure it out. But I think just banking on it just because it's Tom Brady um, is is sort of a fool's errand. All right, Joe, last one. Monday Night Football, an NFC West clash between the Los Angeles Rams and the San Francisco 49ers. Of course, a rematch. We mentioned a Super Bowl rematch with Kansas City and Tampa. This, an NFC championship rematch from a year ago between the Rams and the Niners. And while that one went the way of the Rams, I think it's been well documented the success that Kyle Shanahan has had head-to-head against Sean McVay. So I'll be honest, as bad as the 49ers looked on Sunday night, I'm not that surprised to see San Francisco a short two-and-a-half-point home favorite. I think this could certainly be one of your public underdogs of the week with the Rams. And I do look at San Francisco and say, you know, the old gambling proverb, no team's as good or as bad as they look any given week. I think the 49ers would be the side here. What do you think? Uh, Trent Williams being out was very that's a good point. I think that's yeah. more concerning than than the loss in itself in Denver. Um these games are always weird, man. And the NFC West is bizarre. I think I was too close to it for too long when I covered the division, uh, both for the Niners and then later for the Seahawks um, as a beat reporter. Um, the Niners have had 
the Rams number. Um, you know, Kyle Shanahan has been sort of Sean McVay's bugaboo really until the NFC Championship game last year, where the Niners should have won. Jaquiski Tart, yeah, Tart, sorry, um, catches that pick that was thrown right to him. The Niners are going to the Super Bowl. So, um, yeah, I look at uh, the Niners as, as the side I would lean here. I think the Rams have, have looked mostly fraudulent through the first three weeks, almost blowing a game late to the Falcons. They got blown uh, out in week one at home against the Bills. And then even, you know, on the road, you give them credit for winning a divisional game on the road. That's never easy. But nothing that happened in that game makes you look at, at that team and say they look anything like, um, you know, the, the defending champion versions of themselves. Allen Robinson has been mostly a non-factor for that team. Just two catches, 23 yards against the Cardinals. Uh, outside of his touchdown in week two, he's been really quiet. Didn't have a single catch in week one. Um, I would go Niners here because I think their formula is sort of tried and true. And um, we've seen it play out against the Rams on a number of occasions. All right. So some agreement there on Monday Night Football to wrap up our week four opening pod report, opening line report, excuse me, here on Full Slate. Joe, thanks a lot for your time. He's again, Joe underscore fan with two N's on Twitter and uh, looking forward to doing this again. Man, that was fun. I appreciate the invite. And uh, yeah, look forward to more co- uh, conversations in the coming weeks. Okay, there he is again, Joe Fan, here on Full Slate. My name is Greg Frank. Find me on Gambling Twitter at Undercover Greg. And that'll do it for us here on a Monday night. You listen on a Tuesday morning. Uh, Thanks again to everybody for tuning in. And, of course, please play responsibly.